0: Our, our safety culture didn't start yesterday and it didn't start when I certainly got in this role. It started 60 plus years ago, you know, and I think our founders laid a good, solid foundation of expectations and we have evolved from that. And yes, the world has changed. Um, Technology has changed, you know, things have gotten more aggressive and what we can do and the experiences that we can provide. But at the end of the day, the safety culture stays the same. And we have to be able to educate everyone involved. So our culture started back when Pete and Jack, you know, started Silver Dollar City. And it was very much of safety is not a team, safety is all of us.
1: Welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller.
2: I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement.
1: Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for The Attraction Pros Podcast.
2: This episode is kindly sponsored by Attractions.io, the guest experience platform behind Merlin Entertainment's San Diego zoos and the PGA Championship's
1: branded mobile apps. And just like us, the team at Attractions.io is on a mission to elevate the guest experience and ensure that they exceed the expectations of today's digitally native guests. By combining a branded mobile app, with an
2: operator console that consolidates behavioral data from every touch point in the guest journey, the Attractions IO platform empowers operators with the tools they need to increase guest satisfaction,
1: spending, and loyalty. And to learn more about how Attractions IO can help you connect your end-to-end guest experience, visit attractions.io slash howitworks. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I am fan safety-tastic. All right. Whoa, you you threw a safety in your fantastic.
2: I did. I did. Today's episode may have a lot of safety conversations in it. It may. It definitely, definitely
0: will. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. I have a question for you. Okay. I want you to think back to when you were running Millennium Force. Mm. Mm. And we've heard the spiel. Right, we we've we've heard the the experiences that you've had there. How important was safety in what
1: you did? It was pretty darn important. <laughs> can I just say very? <laughs> you can, you can. Uh, do you need me to expand on it? A little bit. I'd love that. Sure, absolutely. So, thinking about safety as it relates to ride operations and the the time that I spent in ride operations uh, was critical. It's above all else. It's uh, um, you know, it, it is first, last, and everything in between. And uh, all, all the other elements of the guest experience, of the employee experience, uh, I, I would say, really fall under that umbrella. So, we're providing great service to our guests. We're doing it all. While being safe and oftentimes by being safe, uh, we're being efficient, but we're not dispatching at intervals that you know that that are that are unsafe, right? Or trying to uh, uh dispatch at a faster interval because we're starting to cascade, right? We'll let that train cascade if it needs to sit there on the brake run for a little bit longer because uh because we want to make sure that all guests are properly wearing their seatbelts and have their lap bars, you know, securely down, and employees are in their positions and out of the way the way from the train that. Uh, that the safety is the priority
2: well i 'm glad you mentioned the employees, uh, because I think sometimes we get so focused on the guests, and we almost take for granted a little bit. well, the employees have been doing this you know for so long, they understand what they 're supposed to do, but there's also that element of very um, very detailed um, uh, focus on employee safety as well, and the reason i 'm bringing this up is because our guest today um, looks at all of that. Right. Not just the guest safety, not just employee safety, but in some cases, animal safety and food safety and, you know, all the safeties in between. Uh, we get to talk to Gina Clausen from Hershen, who is the VP of safety, and she really calls herself a support. She's She says she's in a support role when it comes to safety. Um, and it's really fascinating to hear what
1: she means by that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll flip the question back to you. When you were a ride operator at Canaby Lake Park or many of the other places that you've worked, how important was safety for you? I want to say critical. I want to say <laughs> critical. But here's the thing. I say it's critical
2: now, and I believe it was critical then. But was it always the thing that was on top of my mind? I was don't know. Then? I think I think there are times, and I don't want to say I was unsafe by any stretch of the imagination, but... I think that there were times when I, f- I felt confident in what I was doing, and I felt confident that if I followed my procedures, I would be safe, so I didn't have to think about being safe. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and that is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? When, when you get in your car, if you, were, if you were to drive 10 minutes, and then if we were to talk, uh, and if I were to ask you, how many traffic lights did you stop at, and how many lane changes did you do left and right, you probably wouldn't be able to answer me. No, because I'm sure it's I wouldn't. Second nature, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So in a way, that's that's a good thing. That's how it should be, right? You should be you should be uh, uh trained up, you should be so skilled, so qualified that the job becomes second nature. But it but when you get too comfortable, sometimes perhaps that's when that's when conflicts occur. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I you've obviously still got to be aware of your surroundings. You've got to be watching for things. Um, but I also think that there's a balance there. And this will come up in this conversation as well. There's a balance of being so focused on safety that you actually become unsafe,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: right? Because all you're focusing on is not making a mistake. And a lot of times that's when mistakes are made.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, we get to talk to to Gina really about, about all things safety. Uh, one, one of the things that I think is fascinating is about risk tolerance. And she says, you need to know what your appetite for risk is uh, because the only way to avoid risk altogether is to simply not open your park or your facility or your attraction just by opening. There is some level of risk that you need to accept that you need to be aware of. So being able to, to understand what that appetite is and then knowing what the procedures are to really mitigate that risk every step of the way uh, at each level of of your appetite for risk and in particular uh, in all particular circumstances. and then, really tying into everything that we've been talking about the last few minutes is uh, is that culture of safety, and you know, looking at just how how the safety really uh, bleeds through the entire organization. And, and Herschend is not just amusement parks; you know, it's it's aquariums, it's the Harlem Globetrotters, it is uh, you know, so it's Jeep tours. It's uh, it, they operate in so many different verticals of attractions and leisure and entertainment. Um, and, and it's here; it, it's uh, cool to see the parallels between all those. It is. And
2: I think that really ties into one of Gina's points about being a lifelong learner, right? Mm. You can't oversee safety or be a support mechanism for safety in all those different venues if you don't learn about them, right? So you've got to be able to learn about them. And in fact, when she goes into a facility, she says, I'm there to learn, right? I'm not there to be the cop, right? And enforce rules. I'm, I'm there to learn and and grow and build relationships,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and as it relates to being this lifelong learner, uh, if you've been to any conference in our industry, you've probably seen Gina, you've probably seen her speaking, uh, both educating and learning. Um, and, and then we also get to talk about Hershen's Grow You program. So I know it's a little deviation from the category of safety, but everything that Hershen uh, is doing to build their culture and to be able to recruit new employees uh, as it relates to uh, t- supporting their employees with their educational goals and, and employees being lifelong uh, learners as well. Absolutely. absolutely. Hard to so, say lifelong learner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, there's a lot of L's in there. There's a lot yes. of L's in there. Um, the other thing that she really talks about in a couple of different ways is this concept of balancing tension, right? Um, and you can balance tension in certain relationships and conversations. You can balance tension in the, the outlook of you know are we doing what's most efficient are we doing what's most safe um and so it's really interesting to kind of hear her perceptions and her perspectives on that concept of of the the balancing of the tension and how sometimes it's critical right you you have to have it like you said if you want to eliminate all risk you just don't open and then there's no tension whatsoever um right. but i think in life there's there's natural tension that that needs to be there
1: yeah, and, and the best ways to balance that is through building relationships. And uh, and she talks about how important that is and and how she does that and the productive impacts from it as well. So is it time to
2: um, stop this tension and get on to our interview with Gina? I'd say let's uh,
1: buckle up. Let's pull that lap bar down and remain seated for uh, this entire interview.
2: Hey, Gina, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you?
0: I'm good, guys. How are you?
2: We're good, we're good. so excited to chat with you today. Um, can you give us just a little bit of of your background in the industry?
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, let me give you a little bit of background about me. So I did not grow up going to a theme park or an amusement park. I actually grew up on a small family farm in North Central Arkansas. So I went to the fair a couple of times, took my my cattle to the fair, but But never spent a lot of time in an amusement park. So um, I was in college. I went to junior college first on a basketball scholarship. And then one summer I decided, you know what, it would be fun to have some friends that we we went and got a summer job at Silver Dollar City. So we did. Um, And while I was there, I uh, met this cute uh, train robber. (laughs) So and I still think he's pretty cute today. Uh, so I kind of like, you know what, this is fun. I kind of like this. So I finished my time at at junior college. And then at that point, you kind of have to decide where you're going to go. Um, so I had found a, a degree program at Missouri State, which is now called Missouri State. Back then, that's not what it was called, um, called Entertainment Management. I thought, well, this could be fun. I like what I'm doing here. I can stay close uh, in Springfield and then you know, maybe even major in something fun too. So Did that, transferred up there, graduated, um, continued to work at Silver Dollar City and attractions, kind of bounced around from every new ride to new ride to new ride, uh, which was really, really cool. And then during my senior year of college, I found this thing called um, an IAPA show ambassador program. No idea what I was about to get myself into, but some friends and I said, hey, 10 days in Orlando um, at an amusement park convention, how could you go wrong, right? So we applied, luckily we got accepted and holy cow, uh, completely um, opened my eyes to a whole new world of what the amusement park could be about. So anyway, committed and said, hey, you know what? That's what I want to do the rest of my life. Graduated, um, stayed with our city for several years, had some opportunities to expand throughout the Hershey and Company, um, but really kind of stayed at the park, open park, closed parks, open new ride, close new rides, Um, And then unfortunately, as most of us know that I've been in the industry a while, there was an accident at a property called Darien Lake, um, where we had a fatality on a coaster, and we were managing that park at the time. So I was asked to go up and kind of help take care of the training and auditing of that property to help kind of keep it going the rest of the time and just support us the best that we could. And that kind of evolved into a safety role. So I went from a ride operator manager. In the kind of the operations field to focus more on the, the safety side of it, um, with probably more a, a training and auditing perspective on it, which is happens to be a passion of mine. So um, fast forward to today, that evolved into like a safety manager role into a director role and then setting in a, a vice president role where I kind of help support the operations, uh, both overseeing safety and security.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much for that background. I, I love how you said after the ambassador program you said, "Well, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life." It's yeah. <laughs> just so so definitive for such a, a simple statement for such a uh, obviously such a, a long-term plan, long-term uh life strategy. But, so,
0: but uh, it was a very defining moment. I mean, that that week, I mean, I had no idea. And you know, people talk about the size of the trade show and yes, it's massive and most people haven't seen that, but just the opportunities of the jobs that you see out there and the different type of demographics that we have and, a, and the different type of business entities, I had no idea that existed. All I knew was they had some rides and some food and it was fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, kind of talking about uh, in your role today um, and just everything with Hershen as it relates to safety, can you talk about, uh, you know, Hershen has such a a varied portfolio with, between parks, aquariums, uh, so many different Types of attractions, types of types of businesses. Uh, how do you approach the concept of safety? Just knowing, obviously, its importance, but uh, I, I imagine you probably look at it through different angles depending on which property or which type of property uh, it's you know it's being looked at.
0: Yeah, so that is a, Actually, that's an awesome question. Um, you know, I would tell you that we're we're fortunate because we do have such the different dynamics with the aquariums, the parks, the adventure tours, the globe trotters. We bring so many different expertise levels into that box for us that we can kind of glean off of each other. I joke around like I'm not an expert in anything, but I surround myself with a lot of great experts in their field, so like in the aquarium world, we'll have husbandry experts, you know we got people that are used to working it within that box um and then obviously in the theme park world, we got you know theme park experts, whether it's a ride expert. You know, foods is all part of that as well, because that's a big part of our business. You know, so I'm surrounded by a group of people that help us be better collectively every day. And I think that's probably, I, I'm lucky in a way that I get to do that. I don't have to be the expert. My job is to pull that expertise together and get the best out of everybody we can to make sure we function together as a group. So it sounds funky, but that, that's really, truly, I, I'm part of a support team more than anything.
2: Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that there are things from a safety perspective that people in food and beverage can learn from husbandry or they can learn from ride operations. So are there things like that, that you've said, Hey, this is a good practice over here. Let's apply that in a different part of the business or even a different department.
0: Oh, absolutely. We beg, borrow and steal ideas all the time, (laughs) whether it's internally begging, borrowing and stealing from each other, or even externally with you know our our coworkers outside you know but I would consider the industry family. But if if someone has a great auditing program, it may be a food service auditing program. We're sharing that whether to the husbandry folks, to the, the attractions folks, to whatever the case may be, even the entertainment folks. If how can you take something that works well over here in this box? And still apply it to your your area of expertise, but it, it may have to be tweaked a little bit. But you can still benefit from it. So yeah, there's there's all types of I jokingly call it beg, borrow, and stealing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I'd love to go even deeper to that. Maybe to to kind of learn about some practical examples, such as like is looking at say an animal enclosure at an aquarium. Can, are there a lot of parallels to a ride enclosure at an amusement park and similar types of, of circumstances where there's there's a barrier between here's you know here's the object here's the risk and here's the guest here's the employee and and looking at it through that through that lens.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about an exhibit. We have to be sure that not only we're protecting the animal, but we're protecting the guest too. So same thing on a ride, we're protecting the riders, you know, but we're also protecting those observers that are guests as well. So we have those perimeter fences and things like that. It's no different. So there's definitely parallels that we pull from all the time.
2: I got to imagine, and maybe this is getting into the design of it too, like there's got to be a balance between the, you know, the, the rider experience. Let's just take a coaster, right? And then you've got people that want to watch, right? And observe, or maybe they don't want to, they don't want to ride. So you've got to give them some sort of access to see what happens, but of course you don't want them too close. Um, So I guess the same thing with, with animals as well. So how do you kind of balance that? Like, you know, uh, Josh used the word risk, right? There's a, there's a risk. So how do you balance the risk of allowing people to get not too close, but close enough so that it's, it's a cool experience.
0: Right. Well, we have to learn that to accept certain risk, right? And that's what we talk about. What is our risk appetite? What are we comfortable with? Um, because if we didn't accept any risk, we all know no one would open, right? That's that's the only way to completely mitigate the risk out is just to not do it at all. Um, so we have to figure out what we're comfortable with. So how close do you want people to be able to get to that animal? you know? And if it's a, a small animal that sometimes we have encounters with, maybe you let them get a little close under some supervision of some type or maybe we're going to put up good solid double barriers that, you know, you we're going to give you the illusion that you're close, but in reality, you're not very close at all. Um, so, but again, to your point, that's a little bit more of the design side, but ultimately that's what we're trying to do. But from a risk perspective, we just have to figure out what are we comfortable with? And, you know, what we're comfortable with today in this scenario may be different than what we end up being comfortable with tomorrow in a completely different situation. So it's a constantly kind of evolving situation.
1: Yeah. That, that's so interesting. And I and I wanted to ask you about that as well, because I, I recall seeing you speak at a conference, I think it was a little over a year ago, where you were talking about this to say there's there's the risk, and like you said, the, the appetite for risk and then sort of the tolerance for it. And and I imagine there's there's the scale of certain level of risk and then certain level of of tolerance towards it that uh, that you'd be willing to escape. As- to accept. And the only way to avoid risk altogether is to simply not operate, never, you know, to never, ever open, just like you just said, I would love to know as far as determining that level of tolerance or that level of, of confidence. And even just what you just said of what we're confident with today might not be how we're confident in the future. So what are some of the things that go into determining certain confidence levels with, with risk and determining that risk appetite?
0: Well, obviously, there's obviously that I'm going to be boring and scientific, but there's this risk assessment that we said and do. And, and it's not always a fun conversation to have, but literally, we're just trying to identify what do we think is going to be the issues? Um, if it's an injury, what do we think that injury could be? If we're looking at a new ride, you know, and, you know, maybe it's the height requirement. Maybe it's the G-forces. Maybe, you know, what are, what is that ride going to cause us potentially to happen? Um, you know, maybe some of the risks we're looking at, you know, I, we mentioned food. Foodborne illness. Well, how would we address that? What you know, what is our comfort level with that? And what are the practices we have in place to mitigate that out? So we look at that and all that all that is part of your assessment. Um, what you think the the risk is going to be. So you got to identify what you think those are going to be. And then we're going to put in place, well, what are our practices? And do we feel like our practices that we do get us to a comfort level where we're willing to accept the risk that's left? Um, and that's really kind of the formula and the puzzle we're looking at it all the time whether it be a new attraction maybe it's um the flow of the crowd even you know as they walk through the park do the more most people go left do most people go right and if they do well what does that cause well that if they go right when they're liable to go right this right first and then they're going to eat and then they're going to be sick after that or if they go left and they're going to eat first then they're going to go right right we're going to see more people throw up you know, or something like that. So it's, it's just a very much in my mind, kind of a formula and this consistently evolving scientific method in a way.
2: (laughs) Gina, I'm curious as you, as you kind of bring that down to the staff level, you know, obviously a lot of people talk about a culture of safety, right? And how important it is that everybody in the organization is committed to a safe operation, again, whether that's food or animals or rides. So, I'm curious, how do you create a culture of safety, or get that message to the front line? Because ultimately, you know, they're the ones that are running the machines. So, how do you get that message to them?
0: Well, I, I think a lot of us, you know, Hershey's been around for sixty plus years, and our our safety culture didn't start yesterday, and it didn't <laughs> start when I certainly got in this role. It started sixty plus years ago, you know, and I think our founders laid a good, solid foundation of expectations. And we have evolved from that. And yes, the world has changed. Um, Technology has changed. you know, Things have gotten more aggressive and what we can do and the experiences that we can provide. But at the end of the day, the safety culture stays the same. And we have to be able to educate everyone involved. So our culture started back when Pete and Jack, you know, started Silver Dollar City. And it was very much of safety is not a team, safety is all of us. It's not the safety team going out and making sure that you're doing the right thing. Every single person, whether you're the frontline person that's, you know, dishing up french fries or checking lap bars, or no matter what, even all the way up to our CEO, there is a responsibility when it comes to, you know, providing a safe and secure environment, both for our guests and our employees. And, and I think If you ask any one of our ten thousand plus employees they're going to tell you the same thing it's my responsibility to make sure we're safe Hmm.
1: you know gina one of the things that matt and i talk a lot about is uh, in in regards to building a culture whether it's about guest experience or or operations is about uh that the recognition of a job well done and, and coaching for you know for continuous improvement uh can you talk a little bit about i would say how uh how that fits into, I would say, being able to do that through safety you know, for, for coaching, it usually, I I imagine it's, it's pretty cut and dry, but what about recognition for, you know, for staff members who are, is there a way to go above and beyond safety standards or a way to really kind of foster that culture of safety for continued success by not just acknowledging when a staff member has performed poorly or fallen below the standard, but when they're meeting or exceeding it as well?
0: Well, you know, I think in today's world, people want to do they want to do the right thing and they want to know that they're doing the right thing and they want to be told, hey, we appreciate what you're doing. You know, twenty years ago, I think when I first started, I was told, hey, you need to you need to push down and pull up in this lap bar. And that's what I was supposed to do. And I don't think I had this feeling of I was supposed to be recognized for that. But man, I I was. I was appreciated for it. And so to show that appreciation that no, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they're doing it in the way that, that we've asked them to do it. And then we're showing them that appreciation. You just get that much more buy in, you know, from our employees. In today's world, it's very much they want to be appreciated. They want to understand why am I there? What's my responsibility? Why is this important to me? Um, and also, make sure I feel good, make sure I'm in, I'm appreciated for it. So I think it's really, really important. And we challenge our folks. We don't have like, like one consistent recognition program across the company. Um, certain things work different at certain properties. So the properties identify what, what motivates their folks, um, what kind of recognition is the, is the best for that property. And that's those, they're trying to build their own recognition programs. And safety is just a piece of that. Um, it's not it's not just a safety recognition program. It's a park-wide recognition program, but safety is certainly an element.
2: So speaking of appreciation, I know another way to show appreciation is developing your team, right? And I happen to notice the the Hershen Grow You uh, shirt that you're probably <laughs> wearing, right? Um, so can you talk a little bit about that program and how that helps your team develop?
0: Yeah, so with the the Hershey and Grow Grow You program, um, that means that any employee, whether you're part time, seasonal, full time year round, whatever the case may be, um, you can go to college or take um, post high school classes for free, 100% tuition free. Um, So if someone wants to go, Badrian, I don't know, some kind of business degree, they can certainly go do that. So we partner with a third party that helps kind of point us in a direction. And it allows our folks to work as they want, but also if they want to go to school, they continue to go to school. And I don't know many companies out there today where you can actually come work, you know, again, five, 10 hours a week, potentially, if it's just a part-time job, and then they can go to school for absolutely free. And so It's 100% tuition. And then there's also for those that have degrees that maybe just want to do some continuing education or get some certificates. There's also some additional classes out there that you can take, too, whether it be leadership. Um, I think there's some management stuff classes. I mean, even me, I've gone in and played in a little bit to try to figure out what would be good for me to teach, just because we're all lifelong learners. In some form or fashion, we want to learn. Sometimes it's not so much the, the education curriculum that maybe we gain the most from, but then there are people that do. That's what they want to do. I have some colleagues that I work with, literally they're going back and getting another degree just because they can. So yeah. so yeah, it's been a great benefit for us. Certainly, I think it's a it's a tool to help recruitment. Um, and we're, we're starting to see the benefits from that. But ultimately, um, we want to be we want to make people better. Um, than what they were and this is an opportunity just to help everybody out you know whether they end up working for us for 25 plus years or whether they come to work with us for a season or two but if we can help them in some way that's really the benefit of the program.
1: Mm Yeah. When that program is, was announced, it was, I mean, it was just so groundbreaking. I mean, it was in every industry publication, but it was in, you know, so many national publications as yeah. well, uh, you know, beyond the industry, beyond the industry, we wanted to give it, I uh, wanted to give it exposure. Can you talk a little bit about, I, I would say the response since that program was announced and rolled out and, and maybe some of the impact of it as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, so obviously it's a recruiting tool. Like I said, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can throw out to someone to help kind of, you know, if they're comparing us to maybe another opportunity, then that might put them over the edge to come work for us. You know, but at the end of the day, I just think it provides, you know, an employee something that they may not ever get an opportunity to do. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that that would love to go to college, would love to have a degree, but just physically don't have the means to do it. Um, they may not have the it may be the financial means, it may be uh, the location. You know, and the majority of these are online. So it's, it's a work at your own pace. Um. So it's just, it's so much of an opportunity that no one out there has ever done before. And so, like I said, you know, it's taken a while to kick off. Yes, it got a lot of, of press and a lot of excitement in the beginning. And But then the people are like, is this really real? Uh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it it is factual. You can do it. Now, that doesn't mean I can go up the road to the local university and say, okay, this is where I'm going to school. There There is, you know, some partners with a third party that kind of give us some opportunities to go through. But again, people get to go to school that want people that want to go to school can go to school and get those degree programs or get that education that maybe they never had an opportunity to get before. So
2: absolutely so cool. So cool. I'm going to come work one day a week at Dollywood just to to get some more classes. Um you no know,
0: you would be surprised. I think there are <laughs> some people that are literally starting to do that right now. You know what we'll take it. We love it. Sure. You know, we need we need all the help that we can get. We're we're no different than anybody else in the industry that's hungry for employees.
2: Absolutely. And you have so many diverse um attractions in your portfolio. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know you've kind of hinted a little bit, but you know, the adventure tours and the, the aquariums and theme parks and the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, if people don't have kind of a sense of all the different things that Herschend kind of encompasses, can you kind of give us a, a a kind of an overview?
0: So I'll probably miss something, my luck, but uh, so theme parks, water parks, that's kind of what, when you hear Hershen, you think Silver so our City, Dollywood, but there's also, like I said, there's Kentucky Kingdom and Wild Adventures as well. So theme parks, water parks, um, three aquariums. So we ventured recently, within what, year and a half or so ago, we purchased our first uh, true international property in the Vancouver Aquarium, which was really cool. So we're, we're located in Canada now, which is awesome. So three aquariums. Uh, we have the Pink Adventure Tours, which is an off-road uh, pink Jeep tour, although there's some other vehicles that are not pink Jeeps, but for the most part, it's pink Jeeps, which is really, really cool. So we're at five locations throughout the U.S., um, Sedona, Vegas, uh, Branson, Pigeon Forge, and I'm forgetting one. Where am I missing the one? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble now. Oh, the Grand Canyon, duh. So anyway, yes, so that's been a really cool adventure Um and then the Globe Chargers, obviously, is a really um, neat place for us to be able to be a part of their legacy and their history. And, you know, I keep telling them, one day, one day, that's going to be my goal. So, Matt, will you want to go work for Dollywood Day? I just want to spend one night in a Globe Charger uniform. <laughs> that, that's my goal. So, And then we have this lodging piece that we really started. So, obviously, we have um, Dream World Resort located near Dollywood and we're getting ready to open up another one but then we also have Callaway Gardens which is a 2,500 acre kind of gardens within a resort kind of lodging attached to it so a little bit of everything but what it comes back to is we want to create wholesome family fun and I think for a long time when we got when we had the Globe Charters, people were like that's so different that's not a park but at the end of the day the Globe Charters, their objective is to provide wholesome family entertainment and that's what we come back to. We want to provide wholesome family entertainment. So when we go look at businesses that we can either acquire or, or grow, how do they fit in with what we're all about? So and that's going to be one thing I think you'll always see is anytime we do grow, it's going to be about the family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so fascinating to learn about just Hershin's just wide, like we said, diverse uh, sort of variety of, of properties and, and portfolios, and uh, just the overall mix. Um, Gina, a few minutes. One of the things you said uh, is that we're all lifelong learners. Um, you're also an educator as well, because I've seen you speak so many times at uh, at various conferences and uh, very involved with organizations like Ames, IAPA, uh, NARSO. Uh, wondering if you can talk a little bit about just the the importance in uh, staying connected with those types of associations and how everyone's able to, to really learn and educate each other.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm huge on relationships. And if anybody hears me talk to them about it, even within internally in our company, it's like relationships are so important to us and building those and, and strengthen those relationships and aims and I and give us that platform industry wide to do that. Um, and they make it easy. Plus, you know, it gives us an opportunity to be able to share with each other, you know the best practices. Sometimes it's the not so best practices, but we want to make sure that maybe someone else doesn't make the same mistake that we do. You know the industry is huge. I mean we're global. You know billions of riders a year, millions of employees, thousands of locations, whatever, however you want to put it. But at the end of the day, we're actually a very small family. You know we we love each other. We want the best for one another. So while we're really strong competitors in way, we're actually huge supporters another way. And I think you know like I said, Ames and IAP really give us those platforms. Just to continue to build those relationships, you know. Every time I go to a year, it's a family reunion, especially the last couple of years. Like we've we really, with COVID, we had the opportunity to step back, and now we don't want to take for granted those opportunities. So, IAPA is a huge family reunion. Ames is becoming this huge family reunion. So anytime we anytime we get to get together as a group setting from an industry standpoint, just to talk and share ideas, it's just it's so rewarding. And I think it's so, it's so vital to to the growth of the entire industry.
2: So Gina, what would you say to someone who is maybe like, I think I might know, but like on the fence of like joining IAPA or coming to the expo or going to Ames, um, you probably say do it like tomorrow, but um, what else would you tell them in terms of what they can get out of it? You know, obviously the relationships and things like that, but what do you, what do you think people really get out of those things?
0: Yeah. Well, that, you know, I would probably be like, well, why haven't you already done it? it. <laughs> Forget tomorrow. You're you're already behind the eight ball, right? Um, no, but I think along with the relationships, there is an education component. If you just want to grow and you lo- want to learn about the industry, you know, go back to the first time I went to the IAPA Expo. I had no clue, right? I had, all I knew was there was this Silver Dollar City theme park. And yes, there was this this big park in Orlando called Disney that everybody went to at some point and then universal and like, Oh, that's cool. But there's so many more elements to this industry, you know, whether it be the different type of, um, attractions, but even the manufacturer side and the supplier side and the support side, um, all that, all that opportunity is there. And if you don't go and participate, you may never even see that opportunity.
1: Mm -hmm. So Gina, can you share, um, Kind of switching gears here, uh, valuable lessons that perhaps you've learned, you know, over the last, just over, over your career, over the years in terms of whether it's, whether it's safety or continuous improvement, or you talk about sharing not so best practices so that others don't make similar types of mistakes. Uh, we would love to know it as far as uh, just valuable lessons that you've learned. Well,
0: you know, I think obviously I've said, you know, relationships are big in me. So there's lessons to be learned with building those relationships and making sure that you know, you're fostering right people. I have mentors that I look up to every single day that have been in this industry for, for 50 plus years. I mean, you take a Jerry Aldridge, a Harold Hudson, um, a Pat Hoffman, you know, those are from a safety perspective, those are, those are the who's who. And so anytime they get an opportunity to speak, I listen because I really, I really want to take in everything they have to say. So listening, I think important, um, you know, there's valuable wisdom that come out of everybody from that perspective. You know, again, I I go back to I want to be a good listener, but I've also been told, hey, you need to be a voice. Um, And by be a voice, it doesn't mean that you're heard all the time, but it means that you're listening to what the perspective is. And when you have the opportunity to share, to teach, be that voice, be willing to go out and share that. So that's been a really good lesson for me to know that, you know what, someday I want to be that Harold Hudson. I want to be that, that Jerry Aldridge that people are going to look back on and be like, Man, I want to listen to her talk. I want to hear what she has to say. I want to take, you know, her her best practices and move them forward and, and make them even better to my, you know, to better their operation someday.
2: Yeah. And you've just mentioned some some pretty heavy hitters in the in the safety and amusement space. Um, can you talk a little bit about? Are there any misconceptions about safety professionals, people that are you know, dedicated and focused on safety every single day that people from the outside might think, well, they're always focused on safety, maybe they're stuffy and they're all about rules, but is there something, something else there kind of behind the scenes?
0: Yeah. Well, I think so many people think a safety person, that's all we do. We're like the police officer, right? We're going to go out, we're going to enforce laws. That's not true. You know, we're as much as to encourage and support and to better the operation as anybody else out there. I always explain things as we see things through different lenses. You know, Matt, you probably see things from a very driven leadership perspective lens. You know, Josh, you see it from a very guest service driven lens. You know, my lens happens to be the safety perspective. So I think seeing those things in those different lenses ultimately kind of makes us better um, in the end.
1: Right. and also looking through those different lenses too we're looking at the same thing and, and like all we're all like looking towards the same goal as well and i think even you know just those three lenses the lens of safety the lens of leadership and the lens of of guest service or guest experience that i i, I imagine there's there's probably if we were to put that in a venn diagram that you know there's there's a strong focal point is there as well so i uh, something like focusing on safety can improve guest service focusing on safety can improve leadership do you do you see it from that standpoint yep. from that Absolutely. that one's I focus on this then all the others succeed. we all the
0: time say we're like it's hard to put an roi on safety because you don't know just how safe you're being until something occurs and we don't want that something to occur now reality is risk we're in a we're in an environment where we agree to a level of risk there's a chance that something's going to happen um, the percentages tell us something's going to happen. So we have to make sure we're prepared for when that something happens. But how we come across uh, to prevent coming across, as I'll call it, the police officer mentality, is that we're encouraging everyone. And, and you know, like I said, I'm in a support role. My, gro- my, my role and my goal is to support our properties, not just our safety team members, but to support the overall operation of the properties so that we make each other better. Um, we may be talking about cost of goods sold or where, you know, how are we going to make a profit on this, but we're also going to bring the safety lens into, you know, safety doesn't, we don't make revenue. That's the, that's the downside is, you know, we're, we're not a revenue gen- generating, generating division, but we do play a role in it that helps generate revenue across the, across the different properties.
2: Yeah. Gina, can you uh, talk maybe a little bit about that safety lens? Like if if the three of us were to walk into a, a facility, like we said, we're going to be looking at different things. Yeah. What is it that you look at? Like, what are you focused on? What are you concentrating on um, that really comes from that safety lens?
0: So my, my purpose when I walk into a facility, i tell you, it's to learn. So I don't know everything there is to know about each one of our properties. So when I go there, obviously I have a safety... We have the safety program that we follow and we have some requirements and things, but I'm not necessarily auditing to sure. hey, are you are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Is this person signed off or are we doing this audit? I'm going in to see the overall operation. What, what can I learn from it? What can we take away? Um, I'm also a lens that doesn't see the operation every day, day in and day out. So I may not have the cloud of view that someone that's there every single day out So we might be able to have some conversation to be like, are you seeing this? And they might learn something from it. So, so for me, it's about learning the operation. The other cool thing about it is I get to travel to all of our properties. There's a lot of people in our company that doesn't get to do that. So that's, that's a real blessing. Um, But what that also means is when I go learn something at one property, I can then take that and share it with another property and say, Hey, you know what, this property over here either has the same issue. Let's get together and collaborate and figure out how we can better or Maybe it's a property that's already solved a similar issue, and we can go and share best practices with one another and be able to actually both be better in the end. So that's one of the cool things about going to visit the properties is, for me, it's about learning. I'm trying to better understand what, what the operation is like at that property, but also sharing those things that I learned, I think, are important that I see are similar, maybe another property.
1: Hmm. And so by looking at everything through the lens of safety and by doing the risk assessment that you were talking about earlier, I imagine that you and your team, you're probably having a lot of conversations and looking at different possibilities uh, that are conversations that a lot of people probably don't want to have. People that the things that they don't want to think about or things that they don't want to anticipate. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like?
0: You mean those things that keep you up at night? Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately that, that is, there's, there's, you know, good things about being in a safety role, but there's also, you know, things that might not be so fun, um, to say that there, there are things that keep me up at night. Absolutely. Um, if I told you that I slept well every single night, and if I would tell you if any safety leader told you that they slept well every single night, they're probably not fully prepared. So I feel like we have, we have to have our guard. We're not laying our guard down. We just, we have to, we don't have a full comfort level that we're ready to operate because something is going to happen at some point. Um, so how do you work through that? You know, and again, I think there's challenges that come with that. And to be a strong safety leader, one thing I think you got to like challenge. You got to be able to go, you know what? This is going to be a problem. We're going to have a fire today, and I'm going to figure out how to put this fire out. And I'm not going to have the answers right now but I'm gonna work through it. And I'm gonna ask a lot of questions and I'm gonna phone my friends that, that may be the early experts and figure out how to come up with the best solution. So I think it's the challenge that really kind of drives a safety leader to really make them want to come back to work every day. Because yeah. if not, you know, the sleepless nights probably would catch up with you after a while.
2: Yeah. And I would also imagine, Gina, that part of that navigation process has to do with relationships, as you mentioned earlier, because you're looking at things through a safety lens a right operations manager might be looking at things through a guest service or an efficiency lens, right? And we want to get this many people through the coaster. Yeah, but if you do it that fast, it's not going to be safe. So, you know, at some point you probably have to be the the mitigator of of some of those discussions and help help people understand, you know, the different balances and nuances of some of the things that they may want to do versus some of the things that they probably should or shouldn't do.
0: Yep. we We often internally have conversations about balancing the tension and that's exactly what we do uh, in an ongoing basis is, you're right, a, a leader sees it from their perspective and their set of lens. And, you know, you may have another leader that sees it from a different set of lens and you got us over here going, wait, hold on, we got to put our safety lens in this Well, And let's have this conversation to see, hey, at the end of the day, let's remember what our goal is. Wholesome family entertainment in, in the safest way possible. So once you work through those issues um, and we start focusing on the big picture goals, those conversations become not challenging, but fun. You know, I've always said, I don't want a team built around me that's like me. I, I want a team that's different for me, that thinks different for me, that can bring different perspectives to the table so that we can have some good collective conversations from different viewpoints, but then come to a same collective agreement in the end.
1: Hmm. And then I've got to imagine, kind of going back to Matt's point of just the, the relationship building just makes it all that much more important because of you know everything you know what Matt said that the right operations leader that that they want to operate at a certain level of efficiency uh, by you having that relationship, it gives you the opportunity to say, "Look, just because you can you can do it based on the manufacturer's specifications. Let me tell you why it's it's not the best reason to do that operationally. Okay. And by having that relationship, then that conversation is probably much more productive than if it's, well, Gina's laying the hammer down. I can't you know I can't do this.
0: yeah, you're you're nailing it. Yeah, and that's why I come back to you. If, if there's one thing that's probably more important to me than anything, it's about that relationship building because we do. We have some really challenging conversations internally about what's the right approach here. Um, and at the end of the day, we have to know that it's, it's not, you know, Gina being the jerk. It's, we're all having this collective conversation because we have the same goal in mind, but we have to balance attention to get to the right response.
2: Yeah. Can you ever turn off the safety lens or the safety <laughs> hat? For, for example, if you go to some place that's not a Hershen property, um, it could be the supermarket, right? Is that lens still active?
0: Uh, to some extent, yes. I mean, you're not, you never turn it off. Um, it, now it becomes an ongoing joke at times. Uh, Tony and I will go somewhere together and we will just kind of laugh about it. And we'll like even joke around. We'll be like, all right, just keep on walking, keep on walking. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's really different, but it's not about, this isn't a job. Like I don't come to work every day. This is my life. Um, so that's the cool thing about it too. So it's not like I close up my office door and I leave and and everything that took place in this office stays here in the office. It goes with me everywhere I go, but that's the way I want it to be. That's, Mm. that's kind of the the route that I've chosen. So, so yeah, it it doesn't ever get turned off.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So if you are visiting other attractions, whether it's, whether it's on or whether it's off, do you have any favorite non-Herschen attractions that you like to visit as a guest?
0: You're going to make me answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. can i say the uh how about the iapa expo does
2: that count no <laughs> so. yeah that's a very safe answer
0: yeah yeah okay well and I, w- I will give you one because and again i i go back to history and just being an amusement park because that's i fell in love with even though we have a lot of different diverse properties now i fell in love with silver dollar city in the amusement park world so if there was a uh an amusement park that I had to choose that I probably love to go to it's going to be Knoebels mm. so yeah. it's just yeah. that's such a very nostalgic park uh it's like going to the state fair every day and it's it's awesome
2: <laughs> it is it is and that's a good answer I'm sure Brian would would love to hear that you you've oh, said oh
0: I'm that. sure yes don't, <laughs> tell, don't tell time I said that though okay? no
2: I won't we won't we won't um <laughs> But I'm curious too, like from your, your IAPA experience, you know, you mentioned being an ambassador and now you get to work with ambassadors right at the expos and you get to see them. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of young professionals that you're working with. Um, what is some of your maybe career advice to them or business advice um, as they're looking for ways to navigate through their, through their career?
0: Uh, first thing to do is be patient. I think so much we, we see opportunities and, and the ambassador program is such a fantastic opportunity And it can be it can be life changing or career changing. I might say life changing. It can be career changing. Like you you may find an awesome opportunity, but you may not. It may just be a step, you know, a a step in in the road to your development somewhere. So I think be patient is the first thing. But take every moment that you have and use it to your like find a learning lesson coming from those moments because it it's those times that you don't think you're learning anything or maybe things aren't going the best for you that you look back on someday and you're like that was a very defining moment for me that's where i had the biggest takeaways was maybe it's not a positive lesson but it could be a negative lesson but it was a definite lesson that they can take away so i think be patient um but again take in every every step of the way and and be willing to you know to take some some hits along the way um because ultimately you're going to look back on it and be proud of where you came from mm-hmm.
1: Good advice. Couldn't agree more. Um, Gina, if you weren't in this industry, what do you think you'd be doing?
0: Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, well, so I was always a sports nut. Like if it had baseball, softball, basketball, whatever, I played it. So chances are, if I wasn't in the industry, I would probably either be coaching somewhere, uh, or maybe a job because I grew up on a farm and that was my life uh, as a kid. And that's really, you know, The one thing that you did in in North Central Arkansas, Um, I might be having like a career in in agribusiness or something like that. So most likely somewhere in the education world, but in all likelihood coaching.
2: Well, and you said earlier that training and auditing and and education were a passion of yours anyway. Um, I'm curious, growing up on the on the farm, are there things and lessons that you use or that you experience there and learn there that you're still using today?
0: Uh, I think most definitely. I think you learn a uh, a degree of work. Now, I'm not. If my parents watch this, they're probably gonna laugh because they. I had it as a farm child. I had it pretty easy. They made sure that I got the basketball practice and the softball practice. And you know, sometimes they went and, and watered the calves when that was my job to do. But so they they really took care of me. But but I would say, yes, um, you just learn this work ethic on the farm and you never turn it off, right? It's a 365 day, 24 hour operation and it doesn't matter what's going on. So, and I think a little bit of that has bled over in the world I live today is again, we don't, I don't turn it off. Um, and that's not by, cause that's what I have to do. It's what I choose to do. It's kind of like, that's what's in my blood. So I, I certainly think there are lifelong lessons, you know, from the farm that, that are translating into today's world for me.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, um, Gina. It's been so fascinating. Uh, we have a, a few minutes left, but a, a, another question we have is: uh, if you could be a frontline employee for one day at any Herschend property, any any attraction, any department, whatever it is, what would you want to do that day?
0: Oh man, um, gosh. I said for a long time when I worked at Sword City, I wanted to work in the animal area and I wanted to scoop horse poop for a long time. So (laughs) there might be some motivation to go to um, the aquarium that has marine mammals. So Vancouver has marine mammals. That's, you know, there's something about animals that I find myself drawn to. Wild Adventures has got a nice little animal population. So I I might have to go um, really be willing to, to clean stalls someday. I think that could be fun
1: blending the farm experience, probably. I, yes.
0: Actually, yeah, yeah. it kind of go, <laughs> goes back. I think it's a little bit in my blood. Yeah. So, But yeah. I don't know. You know, I will say there are times where, especially in the last few years, we were asked to probably go support, you know, some of the properties with some of their staffing challenges. And we, and we got to do some of that. And while I didn't go back and work on a ride, um, I, I really wish that would be really, really fun to just take one day. No, think about nothing else and just go go work on it on an amusement ride for a day and, and be able to like interact and high five all the kids riding and I don't know that could there could be something to be said about that too mm-hmm.
2: definitely or like you said earlier getting uh, dressed up in a globe trotter's uniform and <laughs> uh, and doing that one day can you spin a basketball on your finger.
0: Um there have been some pictures taken of me potentially uh, spinning a basketball on my finger but I will tell you I'm not very good at it right now. I got okay. that's something that's on my bucket list that I got to practice on. And if I do ever get to wear a globe trotter uniform, I do want to be able to do that.
2: That's going to be a prerequisite I think. Uh
0: probably probably. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Maybe I can get somebody to help me learn. I might know few
2: people. Go. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Gina, this has been a a wonderful conversation and certainly appreciate your time and and willingness to come on with us. Um, If people wanted to know more about Herschend or get in touch with you directly, where would you send them?
0: So I would tell them to go to any one of our websites. So solarrc.com, dollyway.com, or just Google any one of our sites to get to the website. Uh, Then you can learn more about all of our Herschend properties from that perspective. If you want to get a hold of me, they can certainly reach out to me via email. I'm connected on LinkedIn. know, whatever the case may be. But I I love to connect with people. If they want things they want to say to me, I would love for them to reach out to me.
1: Excellent. Gina, thank you so much. Uh, This has just been just such a a fascinating conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, And for everyone out there who is watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit
2: attractionpros.com.